0: Without further ado, let's dive into the show. Welcome to Reimagine Work, a podcast dedicated to questioning our modern conception of work and its role in our lives. I'm your host, Paul Millard, and I have conversations with philosophers, authors, creators, freelancers, and vagabonds who are trying to make sense of this question in their own lives. Join me while I try to navigate the emerging future of work. If you'd like to read more of my writing, explore this podcast, or find ways to work with me, you can go to think-boundless.com. Awesome. So, Sean, thanks for chatting with me today. I wrote an essay about sabbaticals. Last week, And it's something that's been on my mind for the past couple of years. I've noticed that sabbaticals have this almost magical quality of bringing people closer to what they actually want in life. And in my research, I stumbled upon your uh, blog, which is devoted to this and your own journey. Starting in 2014, you went from working over 100 hours a week, I think, to taking a sabbatical I'd love to just start there. We'll dive into how you've integrated this with your team. But how does one like what is talk to me about the mindset of somebody that's like, I'm going to work every day.
1: <laughs> I don't th- I don't think it starts with the, that thought of working every day, but um, it, it, it was more born out of necessity, you know, just feeling like, uh, you know, got to keep making payroll, you know, got to keep making the money, you know, have this team to, to pay. And at the time, you know, the business model wasn't very solid. And so it was very reliant on me just going out and exerting a bunch of effort to make money. But like I had this, I had this idea of where I wanted to go, you know, and that was, that was pulling me forward. And then I'm kind of also being pushed by just the fact that I need to meet payroll. So um, yeah, yeah, it, I didn't, uh, didn't really anticipate getting to that point. It just kind of got to that point, And I realized like I didn't I didn't really have any friends. Like if you asked me if I had friends, I'd be like, yeah, of course I do. But like everyone that I probably would have called a friend was on payroll. <laughs> it was like, uh, except for my wife. And I'm like, wait, no, she's on payroll too. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't know like what's going on. You know, I was like not exercising, um, not getting much sleep, uh, just, just really burned out. And I, I'm just kind of a all or nothing guy like if i'm gonna do something i'm obsessed about it otherwise i don't care at all so i didn't know what it would look like to slow down like i couldn't really wrap my mind around that i needed something that would just be like how do i go all in on a break and then my research led me to this concept of sabbaticals
0: yeah what what were some of the inspirations there did you have specific people or just the idea
1: uh no there there was um Uh, uh, Stefan Sagmeister's TED talk about taking off every seventh year as a sabbatical. I was like, that's really cool. um, But I need something smaller scale. Like, I'm not ready for that yet. And so just as a play on numbers, I'm like, well, there's this seven year thing. And then there's seven days in a week. What if I just took off every seventh week? And it was just an idea, like an experiment. And I was podcasting at the time. And I said, I'm going to try this out. You know, I'll let you know how it goes and did it once and it coincided with a trip and that was fine. But then six weeks went by really fast and suddenly it was time to take another sabbatical and I was like, oh, I really don't want to do that. Like there's too much work to do and I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't publicly said this is what I'm going to do. So like people are kind of tuning in like, oh, how is the second one going to go? I'm like, I guess I better take this. And so I really had to grit my teeth and 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 get through it like as bad as that sounds uh it wasn't really till the third time which was you know another seven weeks um that it kind of clicked for me and then it was like like my body was craving it like i was ready for it like i really really needed it and i didn't really realize just how like exhausted i was like i was just operating i think a lot of us are operating at this chronic low level burnout that we just are used to ignoring. And it's not until you give yourself the opportunity to rest that you realize how much you need to rest.
0: Yeah. I often find when people take these breaks, it takes almost up to a month sometimes, just for the healing phase, as I call it. Uh what like what were some of those days like? Was it like just stressful waking up and not being able to like check in or Uh, checking on work
1: yeah it's but i've seen it um kind of flashing forward a little bit like it ended up being such a game changer for me that i i now pay my employees to take off every seventh week as a sabbatical and that's kind of one of my larger missions is by the year 2047 i want to get every company in the world to pay their employees to take off every seventh week as a sabbatical like i that's my mission here Uh, Because it's just been such a game changer. But for me, as well as my employees, I see it really consistently that the first time it's great. You know, it's like a it's like a vacation. The second time it's weird. And it's like you feel this resistance. Um, The third time is where it clicks for most people. But there is still that guilt. And the biggest thing is expectation. Like for for people who are used to taking, you know, two weeks of vacation in a year, you know. Taking seven or eight weeks uh, per year seems like a lot. and so they put these expectations on themselves that like, oh, I'm gonna write a book, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this project, I'm gonna travel the world. And like a week is not a lot of time. A month isn't <laughs> even a, a lot of time. And I, I tell people, be like go, go in without expectation, be prepared to not accomplish things because you just need space to process. To, just to rest you know from all this just go go, go that you've been doing, um, so the biggest thing really is is that guilt that's like i I took a sabbatical a week, a month, whatever it is, and I didn't accomplish X, y, z, and it's like that that's okay. The best thing you can do going in is is just clear any expectations that you have going in.
0: I think that one of the biggest benefits is shifting out of that doing mode. I think especially as Americans, although a lot of other people I talk to from different places experience this, it's this, I need, you can't just not do anything. People really say that, right? And they mean it because what they're saying is it's really scary to feel like you might be useless, right? We all, And I think it derives from an idea that makes sense at some point, we all had to contribute because otherwise, like the fields wouldn't get tended to our community wouldn't eat, our family might literally starve. Now, most countries are spending less than 10% of their incomes on food. And like, there's way too much food. (laughs) So we haven't overcorrected.
1: I think it's identity, because at least here in the United States, you know, you ask people, what do you do? You don't ask them who they are. So it's like, your identity is so inextricably linked to what you do when you strip away the doing. Who are you?
0: Yeah. And it e- even extends into non paid employment because people will often describe, oh, I had a really productive Sunday. It's like, well, what are you producing? What, why are there outputs? <laughs> um, And I always found that language weird, but I didn't really connect it to a larger thing until I shifted away from full-time work and took these extended breaks and basically forced myself on weekdays to wander around. I was living in Boston after I quit my job and I decided I would just devote Tuesdays to biking around the city, except I'm biking around with the mindset of like, you're not making money. You should be doing stuff. You have these things <laughs> and you feel terrible. But then after a while, you sense like, holy crap, there's probably something deeper, like <laughs> this deeper wisdom of like being alive and feeling alive that might be worth leaning into.
1: It's unknown though. It's so it's scary, you know, like it's terrifying. Yeah, uh- it took me two years to figure this out. Like I would, I would do. I was doing these sabbaticals. It, it was great. It started as an experiment. Every seventh week, I'd take off the week, and I'd often come back from these sabbatical weeks not feeling rested. And it's like I don't get it. You know, like I took this week off. Isn't the point to rest? But I don't feel rested. It took me two two years to figure out why, and it's because I saw my sabbaticals as free time. And free time is, what do we do with free time in our calendar? Someone says, hey, can you do a, a meeting or whatever, you look at your calendar, if there's nothing there, you say yes, you know, because it's free time. Uh, if, you, if you look at your calendar and you see an event already there, you say no, you know, because you're booked. Well, I was seeing my sabbaticals as free time, and so I'd look into the future, someone would ask me if I wanted to do something or commit to something, I'd look a few weeks in advance, there's a sabbatical week, great, I'm free. I have nothing going on. So I would say yes, and I would commit myself to a bunch of things. And then when I get to the sabbatical week, I'm looking at the week, and there's all of these obligations. Things that past me thought future me would want to do, and here I am not wanting to do it. (laughs) Because past me didn't know future me. Past me thought future me was in business mode, in do mode, and future me just wanted to do nothing. Even these things that normally I, I would want to do. And so it caused me to, it basically took energy from me. And I realized I need to not see my sabbatical as free time. I need to see it as sabbatical time. And so I started blocking off that time and just putting sabbatical on my calendar and I blocked it with an event. So the event spanned a week and I I couldn't, I couldn't book anything there. And so someone would say, Hey, can you do something in three weeks? And I'd say, no, I'm not available. How about four? And then what that did is it carved out time for me where I could go in to the sabbatical with no obligations. It was pure possibility. I could do whatever I wanted. I could say yes to anything in the moment. And so I, I just instituted one rule for myself. The only rule I have for sabbaticals is no obligations. Don't schedule anything. When you go into it, You can say yes to anything in the moment. It doesn't mean you just have to sit there and stare at the wall, you know? But like, don't pre-commit yourself. And that one rule has been a game changer for me. And it's what turned sabbaticals into something that uh, just got filled up and was just more busyness to something that actually gives me energy and recharges me. And what's funny is like, a lot of times on a sabbatical week, I'm not like, it doesn't mean, you don't have to travel the world. You can take a sabbatical while staying at home. Um, And so I might be in my office, I might be writing, I might be doing things, and if you were to peek in my office and open the door, it would look like I'm working. But the difference is, I'm choosing to do those things in the moment. And, and And oftentimes it may be the same activity. It could be writing, which I might do when I'm in business mode, but the difference between having to do something and choosing to do something, even when the activity is the same thing, is is what determines whether something takes energy from you or it gives you energy.
0: I think this is something people have a hard time disconnecting. We see work as things we have to do. And I think in a way that almost blocks us from thinking about either designing work or finding work or thinking of things we might want to do that we actually want to do. I think I discovered writing basically in my first extended break. That was something I just kept wanting to do with free time. Free time, I kept going over to like a notebook or like a computer and writing. And then people later would see me working or writing on a Saturday and be like, oh, I thought like, I thought you work less now. Like, aren't you not supposed to be working? And it's almost impossible unless you've experienced this to explain to someone that there's this different mode but uh it's really beautiful when you discover that because then in a way you're you don't need a break right it's you need to shift that state
1: there's no one activity that is in in and of itself inherently work it's it's really just an obligation do you have to do this thing or are you choosing to do this thing and and that's going to determine, does it take energy or does it give energy? But it can be the same activity. Do you
0: wish you had taken one or two months earlier?
1: Earlier than the, the than 2014 when I started?
0: At the beginning, you said it took you kind of two years to really figure out some of the deeper stuff. Do, do you kind of wish you had just done a month or two just to break break some of those patterns more quickly? Or is that kind of what worked
1: for you? I think it was good. I think it it was really good that I committed to this because had I taken a month, I would have seen that as this grand act that was like a vacation or a trip or whatever. And it's like, I did it. I'm done. And I'm back. And here we are. We're back to my you know, addictive, workaholic, all-in type of personality where it's like, okay, I'll do the month thing because I'm just obsessed about that. And then I come back and I'm gonna be obsessed about work and I'm back to workaholism and putting relationships and health to the side. I think it was really good that I committed to something that was recurring. And I would encourage people to commit to something that is recurring. Whether whether you want to do this seventh week sabbatical thing I do or just like a weekend sabbatical where like every month you take off the last weekend of the month or you know you could do the month-long thing maybe but maybe you do it like every year you know commit to a recurring sabbatical and that way it's this investment in your long-term health creativity ideas and burnout prevention
0: i love that and if i was talking to you in 2014 i i probably would have not told you to take a long break right because you, you were kind of in this cycle in which all your friends were at work with you and the business was relying on you. So you'd kind of created this very tough situation to escape. Like, man, like that, that that'd be scary. Like it it would have been crazy for you to have taken two months because that would have been really an abdication of responsibility and uh, all these things. Uh, so, so it's kind of cool that the uh, seven week thing worked for you and it was kind of a slower on ramp.
1: Yeah, it, it it was helpful at the time. Um, I think I did one or two of these. And my first question was like, how do I make sure my employees are getting work done while I'm on my break? And I'm like, well, okay, why am I doing this? You know, do I actually believe in this concept? Because if I do, then I should invest in them as well you know if you're well rested you're going to do better work happier people do better work and so i started paying them to take off every seventh week like all right this is your job you know we're all going to do this together and it was a pretty small team at the time so we would take off the same sabbatical week um, but now uh, fast forward seven years um, I actually ended up taking off a, a, a whole year because i came back around to my original inspiration and i was like This seventh year thing, like, I think I am going to try that, you know, Uh, that ended up being 2020. Uh, Turns out I didn't pick the best year to travel the world. (laughs) But uh, now now we have um, we have different sabbatical tracks for the employees. So like not everyone is off at the same time. So people can handle customer support and things like that.
0: When did you decide to do it for your team?
1: What was their reaction to that, too? Oh, I mean, obviously they loved it. Um it, it was really only a couple of weeks in. I I just I'm I'm super logical. So I was just like, if I if I believe these reasons are good to do it for me, the same reasons would be good to do it for them. Because my, my reasons were I'm overall net more productive. Like I'm not saying that's the best motivator, but for me, obviously, like as a workaholic, it was like productivity, you know. And so that was kind of a way that I could justify it to myself. And I think it can be a way to explain to other people who are, you know, business owners, right? It's like, that's nice. Everyone feels well and they're well rested, but like it needs to make economic sense. And I'm like, I I really think it does because um, it creates these built-in six-week cycles. you got these kind of built-in sprints where it's like, what are we going to get done? What are we going to accomplish in six weeks? A lot of people, companies, they're not asking that. So they're just kind of slogging on week after week, you know, 50 weeks out of the year. You get done what you get done. But this forces you to kind of set milestones for yourself. Like, what am I going to get done here? And you take seven weeks worth of work and you you very easily collapse it into six. Like, it's not it's not that hard. Like, we all waste time, you know. So you give yourself a little bit of a deadline and you get everything done. So, like, we get the seven weeks worth of work done in six and then we take off a week and because we're recharged from that we come back and there's a spike you know because like we're we're energized and overall it's a net win
0: i honestly think you could probably save a year's worth of time in some of these big
1: organizations i've worked
0: in <laughs> it's interesting because the way we think about work full-time employment is basically it- like it's a very machine way of thinking of the world. It's like we have these this human capital we call it, and the capital is available most weeks of the year. You only go on vacation if somebody's covering for you. So we have this infinite capacity, which basically means nobody ever commits any deadlines. Everyone pushes everything down uh, further and further, and uh, no one really likes this, right? Because. The secret is when you do have intense focused deadlines, people love doing that kind of work. <laughs> that That's yep. what brings people alive. When I was in consulting, I used to love when we had short deadlines and very focused goals. <laughs> the worst parts were when you're just kind of sitting around and then a client freaks out and you have to react. Um, that's a whole different mode. But that focused, targeted intense work most people i know want that
1: yeah it's nice direction (laughs) it's just like here's a box in which to operate and then at the end you know take a week off you know uh it's it's kind of nice and there's cool stories that come out of uh, people's sabbaticals as well like one employee i had was working on a music album for like seven or eight years he plays all the instruments you know but like he just never got it done and in like two or three sabbatical weeks he finished his whole album and it's like that's such a cool that's such a cool story you know and if you're if you're comparing two agencies that you want to hire and one gives their employees sabbaticals and like tells these cool stories of like trips they've gone on and books they've written or whatever and the other doesn't and like the services are the same you're probably going to hire the one that like you know happy people do better work (laughs) so like it's, it's a competitive advantage as well. Like it's, it, it, it attracts talent. It attracts clients. It it retains employees. Um, it's just such a win all around. I imagine your attrition
0: rates are pretty low.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Like I don't ever even lead with the fact that we give, you know, every seventh week off paid, uh, a lot, a lot of people know about it, but like, I usually don't lead with it because then everyone wants to work here. You know, I, I try and make it a place people want to work even without that. And then it's just a bonus.
0: Now, do people ever stack them or like combine them, take three weeks at a time? How does that work? With
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is something we've we've thought through um, quite a bit. Um, every once in a while, you know, maybe you have a wedding or something, right? And it happens when it happens. Maybe it's not on your sabbatical track. That's fine. Like like it's it's flexible. Um I just I'm not a fan of unlimited vacation, the concept of unlimited because people don't take it. Right. You know, like <laughs> you actually need to take it to benefit from it. So the reason I like having these sabbaticals is they're mandatory. It's like okay, you know how your job is to write or edit or market or whatever? Your job is to take this week off. Like we're paying you to take this week off. Uh so you have to, you know.
0: Well, and I think there's something hidden there is that most companies aren't doing this because they are not committed to doing great work. I think one thing I've realized is that if you actually want to do like exceptional work, you need pauses, like you need space and you need breaks. Mm. One, just for inspiration. Two, for like getting in different modes and like recharging creatively. Um, but yeah, what we- and... You see this in the most like forward thinking companies taking these breaks, giving extra days off, um, mostly because they're obsessed with doing great work. Um, Unfortunately, though, most companies are not interested in doing um, great work. Um, And this is something that I think a lot of people have a hard time to figure out.
1: I, I, I don't think I've ever heard it. Quite that way, that's really interesting. Like if you want to do great work, you need pauses, you need rest. and I, I totally agree. I think your best work, the work for which you will be known, the work that will contribute to your legacy, is currently locked up. you know it's it's in this box that's inaccessible to you and you can bang on the box all you want. But until you take a step back and give yourself some space, you're not going to be able to unlock those creative ideas, like the really, really good ones you have to create space to to discover
0: it's even the personal stuff too because i think the craziest thing i've seen in sabbaticals is people either remember things they used to love as a kid they rediscover hobbies or they have these very obvious things like oh my god i stopped volunteering three years ago why did i stop and they start re-engaging with yeah. these things. Did you have anything like this come up for you in the per- first couple of years?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I have. I've made intentional decisions to um, set aside secondary passions like art and music and things like that. Um, and, and and my thought was, I'm gonna. It's it's hard to make a living from those things, even though I enjoy them. Uh, My thought was I'll work on things that make money more easily, and then eventually I'll come back and revisit those. Uh, But it's again, it's that all or nothing mindset. And what I like about sabbaticals is it just gives me time and space and permission to rekindle and explore those secondary passions and like not worry about, oh, I I shouldn't be doing this. I should be working or doing something else right now.
0: I just haven't seen that work. Uh, I, I mean, I have seen it work. I've seen it that energy reignite in retirement for some people. I have seen that and I won't deny it. But this like once I get enough money, once I get enough time, once I get enough freedom, I will then rediscover these things. People radically underestimate how much that path changes you. <laughs> and I I think it's just after experiencing these things and it's about like I'm radicalized after experiencing these extended breaks. It's like that energy, like you need to protect it. Um, if this broader perspective and a way of thinking about life matters
1: to you. I, on just to close the loop on the topic of stacked sabbatical weeks. So, you know, I, d- I didn't like the unlimited thing because it's optional. Um, But even though it's mandatory to take the time off, exactly where you take that off, we can be flexible on that. So like as much as possible, stick to your sabbatical track because someone needs to take over while you're gone and there's some coordination with that. But if you need to adjust it a week, that's fine. If you want to take a two week trip, you could combine some of your sabbatical weeks that way. Um, And even more recently, we've decided to let people pull days out of an upcoming sabbatical week so like say you want to take a long weekend or something you know Friday you know Friday to monday or something like that you could pull a couple sabbatical weeks uh, days from your upcoming sabbatical week um so we're we're flexible in that way
0: has the sabbatical shifted to something that you almost design around at this
1: point that's, a, that's such a good question um in in a sense yeah i mean it it obviously is for us it is a it's It is a constraint, but I think creativity thrives within constraints. Like like if you give someone a, a box with within within which to operate, they can think outside the box, you know, whereas if you just have this unlimited landscape, it's kind of like, eh, you know uh, so it's it's kind of been positive for us, I would say, and I've been pleasantly surprised and I think the listener who's considering taking a sabbatical themselves who's maybe scared about, the unknown or how people will react, or what about my clients or or whatever, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. and I have a story from just like four days ago um, that that I'll tell in just a second. But yeah, when it comes to designing what we offer in terms of our services or or, or things like that, yeah, like it, it it's challenging because if you want to deliver client uh, work to clients on a consistent basis you know, they're expecting something every so often, you, you have to have people delivering. And in the early days when we only have one sabbatical track, it was much more limiting where either you just had to set expectations or you couldn't offer certain things because we were going to be off one of those weeks. Uh, now with multiple sabbatical tracks, we do have people on at all times. Um, so that does give us a bit more flexibility. But you'd be so surprised like I actually just asked a coaching client. I, I had worked with them for six months and I I just completely spaced because I hadn't been doing coaching for a couple of years and I decided, all right, I'll start doing it. And I said, sure, let's do this. And we started and I completely forgot to mention that I take off every seventh week as a sabbatical and so I committed to doing this like weekly thing. So for those six months I had this one hour call that I would do even if it was my sabbatical week. But when it came up for time to renew, I said, oh, hey, you know what? Last time we started, I completely forgot to mention, like, if we continue, would you be okay with me taking off every seventh week? Because I do this, these sabbaticals. Would it be okay if we skipped every seventh week? I didn't, I didn't offer a price difference or a discount or anything. I just asked them if they would be okay with it, and they said, sure. And, it, like, it was that simple. Like, that's all that it was.
0: When it comes down to it, people are scared to ask. I've done a couple episodes with people who have implemented four-day work weeks. You can come up with a hundred reasons why it won't work. Um, and often it's the most powerful is, well, our customers would never allow that. And it's like, well... That's the easiest one. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> have you asked them? I, and I talked with uh, Tash Walker in uh, London who has an advertising agency. And she just told her clients, look, we're not working on Fridays. We want to make our employees' lives better. And they were like, yep. okay, we like working with you.
1: <laughs> no one's going to care. No, I promise. Yeah, exactly. You, you, all it is is expectations. Yeah. That's it. Communication and expectations. And you, you can play it one of two ways. Like, hey, normally we deliver on Fridays. We're actually going to deliver on Thursdays because we're out of office on Friday. And so anything you send us after that, we'll get back to you on, on Monday. And they're like, great. Like, you actually don't even need to give a reason. But you can if you want. And sometimes people are excited and sometimes they're inspired and like, oh, I wish we did that or maybe we could implement that. But like, you actually don't even have to give a reason. You can say, this is how we work. And the vast majority of clients, they'll just be like, okay, great. Because if you want the results, which is presumably why they're coming to you, you you want the world famous pizza. You let them make it with their sauce. You don't come in with a jar, you know, and like, here, make your pizza with this sauce. You want the results. The results require the process. Your clients want your results. Tell them what your process is. Our process is we work these days, we deliver on these days, and they'll say, great.
0: So 2049, uh, we're going to get every company, and I'm on board now. I'm, I am twenty four twenty
1: 2047. I can use those two years.
0: 2047. Um. <laughs> I am on board to get every company in the world, uh, <laughs> taking every seventh week off. How how are we going to do this?
1: Okay, so here's the good news. We don't actually have to personally get every company <laughs> in the world. We just need to reach a tipping point. And that isn't necessarily 51%. Like, it could be 20%. As long as we get, you know, once you get the the, the Googles and the Facebooks and the Amazons and whatever... It becomes, it's like the ping pong tables in the early 2000s, you know, or, or it's like, it's like oh, you, you guys don't have a break room or, you know, free sodas or whatever people cared about then. Now we don't drink sodas. Um. <laughs> uh, but it's a competitive advantage. It's like I could work at Google and get paid sabbaticals every seven weeks, or I can work at Facebook and like get some cool things, but not sabbaticals and similar salary. Like you just need to reach a tipping point to where like everyone has to offer these perks, and then and then we're good. So as far as reaching that tipping point, I mean, that's that's my mission here. Like, I'm running this agency, but this agency for me is, it was, actually, it's three things. Number one, it's cash flow. Like, I want to fund my mission for sabbaticals where I can pour in, like, time and resources and people and content to get the message out about sabbaticals and just how powerful it is how much of a competitive advantage it is for businesses the benefits of it how to do it how to implement it you know all the logistics around like multiple sabbatical tracks and how to what do you accommodate like we've we've thought through it over the years so i want to help people with that um so the agency is cash flow to fund that mission but it's also a case study because we've got all these people and like here's how we, we we've shown that we've got this agency that's delivering services to clients, the clients are happy, the employees are happy, we've got these multiple sabbatical tracks, like, see, it can work. And then the third thing is, you know, we have this media agency, so we can also use the agency to help promote the sabbatical uh, stuff. So, um, yeah, I, like, that's that's at least my plan, is just, like, tell the story, tell especially your employees stories, like, what, what are things they've been able to do? Like, the stories are really what breaks through the noise and gets people to remember
0: i've done a bunch of research on the history of work uh Oshan jaro actually elevated this um trend which was basically work the work week was falling until like the 1970s and then it just flatlined <laughs> so we like lost our desire to like shorten the work week and mm-hmm. we now have like literally no one in the workforce that ever remembers a time in which work weeks got shorter <laughs> so it's like Man. it is it's like a it's like a remembering of the things that fired up in our childhood but remembering that there was a time on this earth in which people thought it might be worth uh trying to shorten the work week and my Theory is like everything is knowledge work. Everything is gig work in today's world, and uh, you can't do it in a nonstop hustle. You need these like creative bursts, right? Um, so I I love I love the mission.
1: <clears throat> it's it's so it's it's crazy because like I I'm just such a like go 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 like productivity person like get as much done as possible like the amount of automation I have in my business. The amount of macros I use, like my hands rarely go from keyboard to mouse because like I can do everything on the keyboard. You know, I've got four 27 inch displays and a keyboard shortcut puts the windows on different displays, you know, like just it'll take a tab and put it on the right half and this like just in a single stroke, like you watch me use a computer, I'll get a week worth of work done in a day, like just crazy. But then I work the next day and then I work the next day. (laughs) And then work the next day. It's like when when do we reap the benefits of this increased efficiency? Like that there is no natural point where we get more and more and more done and then just go, you know what? The natural conclusion here is we should just work less. Like that it's not natural. What we just keep doing is go, go, go. And and I I don't trust myself to to know when to slow down. I just won't. So the only way I know how to do it is to create a system that forces me to do it and that's why i was saying it's so important to schedule that recurring sabbatical because I, I you know i'll look at my calendar what do i have today well if the calendar tells me i've got a sabbatical then i've got a sabbatical like i've just outsourced that thinking because if if i have to think to take a break i'll think myself out of it that's
0: awesome and i think it's a useful perspective too because i probably lean in the other direction where I I just work less and I don't have a team. I've designed things around just me and I just work a lot less than most other people. I started making money um, online a little more passively in the last year and I was like, okay, now more time to explore and create. Um, but I don't think uh, most people are wired um, closer to me. They're probably a little closer to you and uh, it's cool to see the, uh, the example both at a team level, organization level, but also role modeling it from the top.
1: Do you think structure works the other way around like for you where you're you're more inclined to work less, does structure in terms of having these times where you do work help or how do you navigate that?
0: That's such a good insight cuz that's exactly how I operate is I think there's like a high level Uh, way of thinking about it in which I'm thinking about projects at a one to three month basis. So it's like, okay, over the next three months, this is what I'm excited about. This is what I'm going to work out or work on. Or it's like this one month, I'm going to sprint and deliver this. And I usually do that like you with like public commitments. Uh, So I put this out there, I might start selling something and then I'll create it because I love helping people. Um, Writing is something I just literally love doing. I do it every day. And I don't need to design design around that other than making sure I block off my time. So only meetings typically on Wednesdays where I talk to people about their relationship with work, uh, for fun. And then calls like this usually at night. Um, but 95% of my mornings till two or three in the afternoon are just open. And I know in that space I'll do stuff, uh, because I love it and
1: I want to keep doing it. What do you say to the person who actually feels the opposite problem? I mean, they probably haven't made it this far in the conversation, but they're like, uh, I mean, my life is is like a sabbatical. You know, I, I really don't feel like working. Like, w- what advice do you have to that person who just, you know, it's less about try, trying to force themselves to take time off. And it's more like, how do I force myself to to want to do anything or to care?
0: Yeah. And I think that's a big problem too, right? I think for me, it's broadening the definition of work. I think people think way too narrowly around work. I had a college student tell me once that he was going to become an investment banker because society, um, because that was the highest salary and of, that means salary is valuing it the most. It's like that, that is a, v- a very narrow way of thinking about work. Um, but it's very prevalent too, which is like, if it can be paid for its work, right? I would na- broaden the range of work and just think of it as like, what are the things inside of you that you need to express, right? Is it learning an instrument learning a language, developing some hobby, dancing, writing art, um, all these things, uh, to who can you help? Right. And most of us have some desire to help other people. Right. Go spend time with your grandmother. Go, go volunteer somewhere. Go help a family member. Um, if you have kids, it's, this is very easy. Right. Um, and then you can start, like, I think that helps to start to solve the, like, oh, I'm worthless. Right. Cause I think a lot of people who don't engage with things, uh, look at things like, oh, I, I can't find a good job or I can't find good paying work. And they feel like crap, right? Because that's what society tells you. You can't get good paid work. You are not valuable. Um, So, I think it's developing a different definition of work and then just leaning into that stuff. And half the time leaning into that stuff is what opens up the things where you can make money and do other things. But that requires faith and that's just really hard.
1: That's that's good advice. I like
0: that. Where is the blog uh people can learn more about uh what you've written about sabbaticals in this journey, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, sabbatical.blog. Um so sabbatical.blog is where I've you know been putting thoughts about sabbaticals as well as my my experience taking sabbaticals like um so for Six six years, I took these seventh week sabbaticals, and then I took the seventh year off. Um, and so I also was documenting that journey where we moved out of our house, no house, no car, just a backpack, hit the road, got about a month in, and then the pandemic hit. So that kind of put a damper on the plans, but you can see what happened there. Um, and then I, I actually wrote a book, but it's not done, uh, sabbaticalbook.co, so i kind of just got all of the, my thoughts about sabbaticals and experience with you know all of this stuff and um you know ha, how how do you plan for it how do you return from it you know um all, all of those things and once again all or nothing you know this is a perfect example uh i was like i'm going to try and write so i wrote my first book it's called overlap about starting a business while working your full-time job i wrote that in Two weeks, and I was like, "How long does it take to write a book? You know, a year, a month, you know, a, a week." And I was like, "It really takes as long as the amount of time you give it." And so I, I said, just to kind of prove this, I'm going to give myself a day. I'm going to try and write a hundred thousand <laughs> words in a day. I saw this, post. and so the way, the way I was going to do it is by dictating. You know, having it transcribed, and I made it, um, I made it fifty five thousand words in. And then my voice started going after like seven or eight hours. Uh, but I got the draft done. So like there's this uh, recorded draft of the sabbatical book. And then I, I went on my sabbatical year. I didn't edit it yet. So it's it's still a work in progress. But um, sabbaticalbook.co, you can find more about that and hear when it comes out. I've learned a lot, though, like since taking off the sabbatical year. And now the company has multiple sabbatical tracks. So I think all of this experience will make the book even better. So it'll serve as a reference for someone who's wanting to explore this idea of taking sabbaticals or maybe implementing it in their company. Like, how can you actually do this with employees? So you can have a handbook to give to them for how to take it off. But I would say anyone who's considering taking a sabbatical or actually, I put it this way. What I've found is if you're asking yourself the question, am I burned out or am I burning out? It's too late. You already (laughs) are yeah by the time you're asking it like it's happening so if you're even asking it like it's your body kind of signaling to you like that something's you know up so yeah just uh don't ignore the warning signs you know don't be afraid to take a step back take a little break don't worry about making it super formal start easy start simple try a sabbatical weekend you know take off every last weekend of the month um but yeah just don't ignore the warning signs